0: Football systems check. Microphone check. Record enabled. Kate check. Michelle check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast.
1: Lift off. We have a lift off. You know, you're trying to go
0: talk to the town. Oh, this is going to be good.
1: I'm Michelle Maju. And I'm Kate Maju. And we're married to each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of the Ball Blast Podcast. We have all of our answers from the NFL Draft. And I feel much better. It's always really hard leading up to the NFL draft, and you're like, you're trying to talk about these prospects, but you have no idea the landing spots, and you don't know who is going to get hurt as veterans, so you don't want to talk up too many veterans either. Which you jinxed a guy pretty hard during the NFL mm. draft. Who'd you jinx, Kate? I I jinxed Tyler Algier. You, you I'm you so him. sorry,
0: Tyler. Bijan Robinson, eight overall, to the Atlanta Falcons. Which we talked about this on the show last week ahead of the NFL draft. That was what the odds told us was going to happen, and he was closely linked to the team. But I said, "There's no way this team actually buys in to Bijan with like the other needs they have." Is the gap between Bijan and Algier significant? Sure. But this team averaged almost five yards per carry last year. Like it wasn't like they were struggling to run the football because of talent.
1: Yeah, I don't know where this pick comes in and how much it helps them actually win games, but it's a pretty good landing spot for Bijan Robinson because it's a team that wants to run nonstop and it's a team that's not going to want to have the ball in Desmond Ritter's hands very often. Rude. So the the only concern is how many scoring opportunities he will have because the Falcons don't score a whole lot. Now does Bijan help them move down the field more, help them get in, you know, get some more first downs possibly. I think a healthy Kyle Pitts helps them. uh, Also Bijan can break off runs much better than Algier can. Yeah. So, and he's a great receiver as well for a running back. So this is my question for you. Is Bijan Robinson, now that we know the landing spot with the Falcons, is he the 101 of 2023 fantasy drafts?
0: Maybe this is me just, like, holding on to Tyler Algier for dear life. Like, like, you know, that Titanic person hung on to the door. That's how it feels like I'm acting with Tyler Algier right now. But – there's like this little part of me that wonders: Is Tyler Algier gonna get some work? Did you see that Titanic person? Yeah. What's her name? Rose. <laughs> oh, Rose. Yeah. Sure. Rose. I was
1: sitting here so confused by that. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Rose. Yeah. Duh. Obviously, Rose. That Titanic person. I'm sorry. I'm not a Titanic expert. I'm. I have a a football podcast, not a Titanic podcast. Get with the program, okay. Mrs. Majuk. Uh, there's like a part of me that wonders, like, I, I think, you know, probably Arthur Smith knows that Tyler Algier had a really good season. He was super productive. He was uh, efficient and he showed out among rookie running backs. Isn't there like just a teeny tiny part of you that wonders, is Arthur Smith going to get cute? Cause like, not at all. Okay.
1: Not at all. You don't take a running back when you have that many needs at pick number eight overall. And you don't like, yes, Algier will get some touches, just like every single backfield. Robinson's not going to get 100% of the touches, but he will get 75 plus percent. And he's going to have one of the largest workloads in the NFL. And I think he's insanely talented right away. So I I think he is in consideration for the one-on-one. Now, also Christian McCaffrey, obviously, is as well. When he came to the 49ers, he was nothing but amazing, and he was getting a ton of targets, especially in PPR league like CMC. Probably should be the 101, although Bijan Robinson is a very capable receiving back. But the biggest concern, again, is will Christian McCaffrey stay healthy, right? He, he did a pretty good job at that last year, finally, after two years of not staying healthy. But 49ers running backs get hurt. Every single year. They're quarterbacks and they're running backs. Now, is that fair to say 49ers players get hurt more often? I guess not, but they just do. So I don't know the it's science. I, I don't, don't know. know the reason behind <laughs> it, but they just get hurt more often. And that would almost make me go over to Bijan.
0: Here's the thing though. So the Atlanta Falcons last season, fifth fewest targets to the running back position in the NFL, uh, even if we're we're looking at like the target rate instead of just the number of targets, still not very high.
1: But that was with Marcus Mariota. Most that was of with the time. Marcus Ritter's Mariota. Not but not a rush, a mobile quarterback like Mario. But
0: is. Ritter does have some athleticism, and I wonder with the establishment of the run, are they going to tap into that? Like, I just, I, I worry. I worry. I, I color me a skeptic. Um, and not on Bijan. I'm not skeptical of Bijan, but. I don't trust Arthur Smith, who had a weird interaction. Apparently, I like I have to talk about this because we just said Arthur Smith, but the apparent interaction that Peter Skoronsky tackle for the Tennessee Titans, uh, had with Arthur Smith and their pre-draft visit was bizarre and weird and it just proves that Arthur Smith is a weirdo and he can't
1: be trusted. He came out
0: well, and he said You fired. are boring
1: me. He's not gonna make a pass this year. He's gonna be fired. I mean, hey, you guys took a running back with he's the, not the GM. I know, but they're not going to win any more games. They're not gonna be a good team because they took a running back with the eighth overall pick. I mean they weren't gonna get, be good anyways, but like I don't know what they thought they were accomplishing here. But this is fantasy and I don't care what the Falcons do. You know?
0: I mean to be fair, the You know, we're going to, I'm sure, talk about Jameer Gibbs. The Lions said they would have been comfortable taking Jameer Gibbs at number six, which is even
1: crazier. So over Robinson? Yes. Okay. Well, that's stupid. The
0: Lions are stupid, too. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, they have been a pretty stupid franchise for a pretty long time. They've been turning the corner, the Lions. So hopefully they continue to go that direction, but taking Gibbs over Robinson probably would not have been the smartest thing in the world. My last thing I wanted to say about Robinson here is that maybe his touchdowns scare me off him at the one-on-one, but this is the question then is Jonathan Taylor or Bijan Robinson. Cause CMC, I can totally see going over Robinson, but what about Taylor? Um, Remember, we're on a podcast and you need to. I probably take Taylor. Okay. I think it's close. I don't think I, like, I don't, I wouldn't say Jonathan Taylor is going to get very many targets this year. He doesn't. And then now you have Anthony Richardson at your quarterback. But there should be a lot of holes to run because teams are going to be scared of Richardson running. Yeah. But also, how many times are the Colts going to be in scoring position? I'm taking Robinson, taking Robinson over Taylor, and I'll flip a coin against CMC. Another guy who did not survive. Well, I don't want to say not survive because I want to talk through this. They're still alive. They're still, well, but also, like, I think Ken Walker, Ken Walker, I think he's fine, right? Like, I don't think he got that hurt during this draft. So, the Seahawks draft Zach Charbonnet. Thank you. Pointed to her to say the last name. She says it better than I do. In the second round, which. Seahawks. Seahawks, why, why do you have to keep drafting running backs? And now Zach Charbonnet is a <laughs> very solid running back prospect, but I just think like Ken Walker is going to be safe. I still think he's the lead back. There was a report. No, you needed to read in it. Uh, rotor world put out there that the two will be competing, have a battle during training camp for the team's lead ba- lead, uh, Role this summer. That's really not what the report said. So when you read it, uh, Pete Carroll did compliment Charbonnet's Charbonnet. Yeah. Charbonnet, you got this receiving skills. After you know he selected him in the second round, and he said he's so versatile, he will fit in and be a great addition. And really, we're going to find out how far he can take it in terms of the receiving part of it. We know he's really good at it, but so is Kenneth. So those guys will be battling. I feel like he meant they're battling for the receiving work, not so much the rushing work. Yes, like he's going to steal some touches, and Kenneth Walker won't have as big of a role as he had for most of the season last year after Rashad Penny you know, uh, was done for the year, but... I still just think this is Ken Walker's team. He's way more explosive. He He's able to break off those long runs, which Charbonnet's not really that great in that area. I don't know. I, I just, I would still much happier. Like if, if people are scared off Ken Walker, I'm going to still happily draft him. The team runs plenty.
0: Yeah. I do think that Charbonnet definitely profiles as the better receiving back uh, ranked fifth in receiving yards, third in missed tackles fourth on receptions, fifth highest PFF receiving grade among all running backs in this class. Like, that feels like a pretty decent role for him, and the Seahawks, they really haven't thrown to the running back all that much. So, sure, like, let's roll with Zach Charbonnet. I think he's, you know, like, a better runner than they've had as, you know, a complement to their lead runner in prior years. But I still think that, Kenneth Walker is the main guy. I mean, he led the team last season Had 66% of the team's rushing attempts had 84% of the team's rush attempts inside the red zone and a hundred percent of the team's rush attempts inside the five hundred
1: one hundred percent. And really Pete Carroll's been a one running back type of guy. Like, yeah, the, some other guys will get in for a couple carries, but when they took Rashad Penny in the first, Chris Carson just kept going as a lead back. He got all the work. And then once Chris Carson went down, finally Rashad Penny got all the work. And then once Rashad Penny, like, that, to start last year, Kenneth Walker was getting barely nothing because Rashad Penny was still there and he was getting Kennedy, all the touches. He was so good. I know. I do miss me some Rashad Penny. Maybe with the Eagles. We'll have to talk about that in another episode. But then when Rashad Penny went down, it was all Ken Walker. So I, I, again, like, yeah, it sounds great having both of these guys. And I'm sure Zach Charbonnet will get some of his touches, but I I still just think Ken Walker is the main lead back here. And I'm not, I'm not scared off of him.
0: No, I mean, here's the thing about Ken Walker ran a four three eight forty 40 yard dash at the combine. Um, and like, that is wicked fast for running backs. And you know what that translates to? Like broken off plays where he can just, take down the field and run like 43% of his yards came on breakaway runs last season. Second highest percentage among all running backs in the NFL. So like he's gaining these chunk plays and he's doing it better than almost any running back in the NFL. Like the good thing is that that means he might not need as many carries to translate to fantasy relevance. Like I'm buying into Ken Walker
1: another guy who did not survive. Although we weren't really worried about it because I wasn't, we weren't high on him to begin with for this upcoming season, but DeAndre Swift got his job stolen away. But at the same time, he may have gotten an upgrade. I don't know. It's, it's questionable, but we're not here to talk about DeAndre Swift. So he gets traded from the lions to the Eagles. He'll compete with Rashad Penny for who could stay healthy. The longest, the longest, (laughs) but Jameer Gibbs, he gets picked. At number 12 overall by the Lions. Unreal. Number 12. Yes, there is a lot of talk about him possibly, possibly being a first-round pick. Like, he could sneak into the 20s, and, you know, a a team could be high on him and pick him there. No, he went at pick
0: 12. And to be fair, like I said, uh, there were rumors that the Detroit Lions would have been happy taking him at six, did but they got see the opportunity the room
1: to... when they drafted Gibbs. It was like They, they just almost won. broke the table. It's like they just won the Super Bowl. It, like, did they really think he was gonna go? Like, that's what I'm confused about. Were they that nervous someone might take him? I just like I don't think any other team was considering him around here. Like Gibbs seems like a really good prospect. Like he is kind of small, but he can do it all. He's probably the best receiving running back in this class like I get it he's versatile but at the same time he's 5'9 199 pounds and at the same time he's a running back so relax lions (laughs) yeah it was it
0: felt like a very disproportional reaction because a it felt like a reach b it felt like a huge reach c it felt like a really big reach like to see them celebrating. But the moment He's that that He's going to clip, have to
1: turn into Christian McCaffrey for this pick to, like, make sense. Which, I, it, it could happen.
0: It could happen, but that's what it feels like. It feels like you want Jameer, like, the best-case scenario is Jameer Gibbs turns into Christian McCaffrey. A faster Christian McCaffrey. At that A point. faster Christian McCaffrey. But, like, you know, can he maybe bulk up uh, even more? Like, in terms of... Uh, you know bmi he's not not all that off from a pretty average running back because he's got like a a shorter stature so he's a little bit you know uh like thicker he's got a little bit more strength um than like a christian McCaffrey. yeah like, like so like,
1: i was surprised i look at austin eckler's pro day weigh-ins he was 195 but because he's 57 which now i think he's put on a right considerable- didn't mean austin
0: eckler not Christian McCaffrey. I know.
1: think he's put in a considerable amount of muscle since he's been in the league. So it might take Gibbs sometimes to get there, but Eckler does not look like a small, like he looks like a short back, but he doesn't look small no. out on the field. And when you see pictures of him, he like, he looks like a big dude. So there is a chance like Gibbs can build up muscle, but also like we've seen guys in the league, we Eckler and CMC and Single Devin Singletary. They can get a, a large workload and be just fine. Right? Now, is not good for fantasy because he's not a receiving back, but Gibbs is. He's one of the best that's to come into league for a bit here. So he could be an Austin Eckler. Christian McCaffrey he has a lot of high upside. It's just the Lions running backs that they draft early have been massive disappointments as of late. Will Gibbs be different? Because you have your uh carry On Johnson's, your DeAndre Swifts, <laughs> your uh fall for it every year yeah there there's one of them i'm missing here Uh, it feels
0: like a tradition like we just we keep falling for for lions players but i mean the the interesting thing is that like david montgomery he does profile as that bigger like one two down back but like he's also a decent receiver
1: yeah, now he's pretty bad. He it's got like, targets, but he's yeah. not—he's not efficient in, uh, whatsoever. So they should definitely be using Gibbs over Montgomery. My bigger concern is the—the the role you wanted last year was for the Lions was that goal line work. I mean, Jamal Williams just got in over and over and over and over again, and he got so many opportunities. I like—are they the Lions really going to be like, okay, Gibbs at one ninety-nine pounds, you go in instead of David Montgomery at two hundred and twenty-four pounds? It's probably going to be Montgomery's role. Now Montgomery also has issues staying healthy, and he's never been like a great touchdown score. So who knows? Maybe the roles change. Well, Jamal Williams season.
0: wasn't exactly like the That's most true. proficient touchdown score until they made him. And I, I don't know. Like I, I have trouble buying into Jameer Gibbs because I do think he's going to just require a few more touches. I think they've got a decent number of weapons there that could, you know, disperse the targets a little bit, disperse the touches. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess like, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking it. Cause I'm, um, You know, I'm okay drafting Ken Walker.
1: I was going to say, this year in fantasy, Mm. 2023 only, would it be Jameer Gibbs or Ken Walker if you had to choose? They were on the board. Let's say it's half PPR. I
0: feel like it's a coin flip, honestly. Maybe.
1: I think Gibbs is going to get a lot of hype during training camp, and I do think his cost will probably end up higher than Ken Walker's. Yeah, I think that which might be a little bit of a reach at that point. What about Gibbs or Ramondre Stevenson, who we're going to get into here in a second, because he survived the draft. He
0: survived it in a big way. I go Ramondre Stevenson there.
1: Yeah, let's just jump right into Ramondre Stevenson, because he is one of three main guys that I picked out here that really survived the draft that we had the meat sweats about entering it that we talked about last week. We talked about Stevenson. We talked about Damian Pierce and Tony Pollard. All three survived. Ramondre oh, Stevenson, knew, though, yeah. I feel like no one's talking about him enough. Will he be a steal in drafts in twenty twenty three? Because he was a RB seven in PPR last year. I that's mean, he, nuts. At so many targets, the Patriots like added no receiving weapons in so, free agency and really the draft. That's I mean, the
0: thing. Like they did not really make any moves. They traded away Johnny Smith. Like that's they traded what, or they, that's. One bot,
1: yeah, yeah, and then they him. also let Jacoby Myers walk, That's yeah, like body. that,
0: but I'm just saying like these are bodies that aren't gonna take up targets, okay, they bring in Juju, um you know you you don't really have any sort of like other threats here because they didn't take a single running back, not just like they took you know a late round flyer, like the Rams you know take a six round running back like. What is that? It, like, it's not like that. Cause they literally did not draft a single running back, which is insane. And in terms of like receivers, right? Like this was a decently deep receiver class. Didn't take a single wide receiver until the sixth round. They only took two total. Kayshawn Booty and Demario Douglas, both in round six. I mean, sign me up for Ramondre Stevenson. Cause he literally has top five potential. And I do think we're not, we're not hyping this man up enough right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, the running back depth chart at the moment is Stevenson pure strong junior, who was a fourth round pick in 2021, Kevin Harris, sixth round pick in 2021 Ty Montgomery, which I didn't know was still in the league. So good for him. He's clinging along. Oh, I didn't know that. Good ja- for him. James Robinson, who has now on his third team in two seasons and JJ Taylor. I used to, you know, you I used to, to ride in, him. Yeah, yeah, I did. He did not he did not turn out as an undrafted. Well, hey, he's an undrafted rookie free agent from he's, a few years ago and he's still on an NFL roster. So I was correct. He's he was also good. like
0: the smallest human yeah. of all time.
1: Yes, but he's still on a roster 3 years later, 4 years later. Uh so, you know what? Good for him. But yeah, Stevenson has a very safe role uh with a, a quarterback that likes to check down, a team that likes to the Patriots is always like to target the running backs, So Stevenson's, I think going to be a steal.
0: That- Stevenson ranked third, third most targets in the NFL last season. Um, among, seventh running in receiv- among running backs, uh, seventh in receiving yards among running backs, um, ran a ton of routes, just was all over the field. And I think what's like just better is that like he, he's, still is a really good rusher just mm-hmm. he has that extra capability and, this offense and has to
1: be better than it was last year with matt patricia defensive coordinator calling offensive so plays so bad yeah they're <laughs> actually going to have an offensive coordinator calling offensive <laughs> plays this year wild wild concept but damian pierce your boy My dad listening, he always gets so upset when we bring up Damian Pierce, but we got to. Winner. Winner chicken for dinner. They did not. Did they even select a running back all draft long? They may have, but it wasn't anyone important. And one thing I wanted to point out, Rex Burkhead is no longer there, which seems so silly, but Rex Burkhead was getting like far too many touches last year, especially when they were down. This is what would happen. Damian Pierce would kill it in the first half. And then they, the Texans would be down by 20 points at halftime. And they were just passing. So they would put in Rex Burkhead. And Pierce didn't get a whole ton of work after that because you can't run when you're down by 20 points. Rex Burkhead had over 50 targets last year. And he's gone. They did add Devin Singletary in free agency. He will steal some rushing attempts. And Devin Singletary is a very good rusher. I'll say that. But he's tiny. And so I don't think he's going to steal the goal line work. And he's one of the worst receiving backs in the NFL, like efficiency wise, with his drops, with what he gets after the catch, he is truly, truly terrible at it. So I do think Pierce, Harsh. I think Pierce could get you know have the goal line work, should get more carries, should have more receiving work. I think he was a huge winner, and he looked really good last year.
0: You're right. Uh, they did not take a single running back in this year's draft, which is crazy. Which I think, they should
1: not have because of the Texans no. and they
0: have too many holes. <laughs> they have way too many holes. But I mean, just uh, overall, like you couldn't have asked for more in terms of what Damian Pierce gave you. Like was such a tough runner. Was so, so just like he carried that team on his back. And the thing is, you knew it was Damian Pierce because there was no other threat. And he still absolutely dominated. Like, at 3.28 yards after contact per attempt, like, that's among the top running backs in the league. Uh, ranked fifth among running backs and missed forced tackles. And he played 13 games as opposed to the 17 that a lot of these other top running backs got to play. Like, he was so freaking. And you're including good.
1: playoffs here. In and your, we're your including reports. playoffs. And, and he didn't even play in the playoffs.
0: And he did not. Like, he. He crushed it like he did everything the Texans asked him to do. And like, yes, could they they continue to work on his ability as a blocker, his ability as a receiver? Yes. But like that room is looking pretty barren. And it, the the star of it all is going to be Damien Pierce.
1: All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about him much more during the off season. So get ready. Remember if you're that annoyed. Good luck.
0: Do you guys remember that one time when I predicted oh, that he would goodness. be a top twenty-four running back in twenty-twenty? Is that your
1: one take you got right last year that you really had to hold on to?
0: Yes, yeah. but I have another one for this
1: year. Oh, okay. Uh, and then lastly, just hit on Tony Pollard real quick. Yeah, I mean, they they took Deuce Vaughn the Cowboys in round six, but Deuce Vaughn is a hundred and like sixty-five pounds. He's something extremely tiny, one seventy. He is a speedster, so he could get some fun little workarounds. Like they they can figure out ways to use him, but Tony Pollard's that dude there. He's gonna get most of the running back work. And he's a top five running back. That's that's just it. Book okay. it. Uh any
0: like do you consider him a top five running back for Dynasty? Is that a thing?
1: Well, he's on the franchise tag, and I really only want Pollard if he's with the Cowboys. Okay. So Dynasty, he would fall a little bit, but 2023, running back, he's top five. I think that's fair. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver talk here. It was kind of a weird draft. So the top wide receivers, like uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, we thought he'd be a top 12 pick probably. He ended up falling to pick number 20 overall to the Seahawks, He was still the first wide receiver taken off the board, but then it went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, four straight wide receivers in a row in the draft. First time ever in NFL history, which is kind of fun, but they all kind of landed in teams with like other, at least another guy that's a wide receiver one. So, you know, they don't have that opportunity to probably get a hundred and 30 plus targets next year, right? But also,
0: I don't think you're looking at any of these receivers in this bunch, even though they're the top receivers of this class. Like, none of these guys really feel like, at least at this point in their careers, like guys that are going to handle 130. plus targets I think jackson, with the exception
1: yeah with I the exception jackson smith could have if he landed in the right spot fast now he still landed in a really good spot for his career and if one of dk metcalf or tyler lockett were to get injured he would step right in and get even more targets but the, i mean the three of them together is absolutely amazing dk metcalf tyler lockett and jackson smith the, the like those three will all be on the field very often. Like I'm sure they're going to be doing three wide receiver sets more often than not. And it's going to be hard for defenses. And then also throw in Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet that you somehow have to stop. This is a really good offense for Geno Smith as well. If like you're worried that Geno Smith is going to fall off next year, maybe he doesn't because this offense is stacked. But then you also had Quinton Johnston go at the very next pick. He goes to the Chargers. So, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are still there. He's the third guy in this offense as well. Now, he does have a chance, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams aren't the healthiest of beings. And then also one of them is most likely gone in 2024 due to the cap hits. So he has a nice chance there. He's a big, tall target for Justin Herbert. He's big. He's tall. He's fast. Yeah.
0: Now, like his, I think, skills as a wide receiver, like had – a bunch of drops in college, like that was a big issue for him. Doesn't have the best hands, but like the potential is definitely there. And when you looked at these really small wide receivers in this class, Quentin Johnston stood out for that reason because he was so big. He's so athletic. The splash plays are there. Like he's got a lot of potential. And if you need to I like refine the receiver skills, once he actually is is you know, catching passes from Justin Herbert. Fine. Cause like you can't teach speed. You can't teach athleticism. Who can't teach size.
1: Who is that little slot receiver that I really, Oh, Deandre Carter. Remember I had him as my, uh, my scrumptious start of the week a couple times there. And he did really well, actually. Now that was when they're dealing with some injuries. So we figured that there'd be more targets uh, to other players. But I I do think Johnston here just goes into the slot. It's like this massive dude, and he can be targeted deep. That's why I was excited about DeAndre Carter. Now DeAndre Carter was five foot like seven, and now you're looking at Johnston, who is a good like almost a foot taller than him at this point. Like he would just look, they would look ridiculous next to each other. Carter is no longer on the team; it doesn't really matter. Like Johnston would have took that role anyways. But I, I think, I think Johnston is interesting. He is interesting. Uh, ranked, and he
0: ranked ninth in yards per route run in the NCAA last year. That was pretty good. That's a sticky stat. Um, I think this
1: will help Herber out as well.
0: Eighth in yards after the catch.
1: Yeah. If you have that really nice deep threat and then you also have Keenan Allen, who's still there as your possession receiver, Mike Williams, who's also a deep threat, but can get it done elsewhere and be your contested catch guy. This should help justin herbert out which is he really needs to be better than he was last year for fantasy because he was a huge disappointment and then the next pick after johnston was zay flowers to the ravens now we're not big on zay flowers at all it's not because he was to the ravens we weren't really big on him at all before the draft he's a speedster but he's on the smaller side He joins a wide receiver core with OBJ, Rashad Bateman. And then you also obviously have Mark Andrews there, who you know is going to be the target one in that offense. And then we don't know, I guess, what it's going to look like with a new offensive coordinator, but the Ravens with Lamar has always been very run heavy. So is there enough targets to go around to feel good about Zay Flowers in fantasy in 2023? Like obviously you don't feel good about most rookies, but is he even an option for you to select this year?
0: I think he's interesting. Like I think I'm probably actually more interested in him.
1: Is his ceiling higher than, than Marquise Brown with the Ravens? Like I feel like they just drafted Marquise Brown again.
0: That's what it, I mean. That's what it does feel like. Like the the size, the stature. You know, I, I do think he's going to project as the slot receiver, but. There could be, I think, additional opportunity that, like, okay, OBJ, great. Two torn ACLs uh, in his last seasons played. Like, probably a little bit rusty. It's been a while since he's played football. He's old. Then you've got Rashad Bateman, who's coming off, uh, what's it called, Liz Frank surgery. Like, might not be 100%. Like, we've seen, you know, receivers, especially, you know, these guys who are relying on that, that burst, which is – that you kind of need your foot for, like we've seen these guys get off to slow starts, but Greg Roman, you know, could be that sort of flip the switch kind of guy that's going to send this into a, not necessarily a pass first team, but like a, a heavier pass team. And I don't know, Zay Flowers might actually be the second best option there beside Mark Andrews. I don't know.
1: He could be, and definitely, this is the thing with Zay Flowers. He could be the wide receiver one on this team pretty easily, and he could be the wide receiver three. You know, if Bateman is healthy, OBJ actually becomes like his playoff Ram self. I, I don't expect these things to happen, but there's a very good chance that he's the wide receiver one, which is still the target two in this offense, or if he falls past that and it's either Bateman or OBJ that takes that wide receiver one role, I don't think... Lamar in that offense there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that can support three good pass catchers in fantasy
0: the good thing is you know they don't really utilize the running back as a receiver so knock that off the list at least uh, of potential target stealers
1: that's true Uh, and then after Zay Flowers went Jordan Addison uh, to the Vikings Now they have Justin Jefferson, who's obviously going to be the wide receiver one and get a ton of the targets. But then also my bigger concern, because like there's plenty to go around in the Vikings offense for two wide receivers. But they also have TJ Hawkinson that they use a ton once they traded for him last year. So is there enough to go around for Jordan Addison as well? He's actually the one I have the most confidence in for like rookie getting targets in a good offense. Jordan Addison is I really like him as a prospect. He is smaller; like he's not short. He's six foot, but he he weighed in pretty little. Uh, what what it's was like his one seventy five, um, one seventy three, five eleven, one seventy three. Yeah, one seventy three is, is a little small. That's for sure. But Justin Jefferson was skinny too coming out. Jordan Addison was so good with Pittsburgh two years ago. So good with USC, like
0: he on tape feels like the best wide receiver in this class. The issue I think that had everybody like taking pause came into the NFL combine. And I think with his smaller stature, like expected him to test better than he did, um, ran a four, four, nine 40 yard dash. That's average. Um, but like, when you consider the fact that he's 173 pounds, like you might expect that to be a bit faster, like vertical jump, 34 inches. That's not great. Broad jump, 10 foot, two inches. That's yeah, all but they're right. all, these, like, are all
1: they're these are all
0: doable. These are all, they're all doable. Um, but like, I think that's the reason that everybody sort of pauses. Cause it's not necessarily just the small stature. It's I think the complete picture, but these weren't issues for him when he watched him play. And I, I think that's the differentiator. Like those issues didn't necessarily show up on tape.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm trying to look here. So Jefferson was a bit more explosive Four four three, but not, so he didn't beat, uh, Addison by much 37 and a half, but he's also so a little bit. He's got size on him. Yeah. I mean, it says he's 202 pounds. I don't know how he was so skinny. He must've, drank so much water that night before, but regardless, like even if it's 10 to 15 pounds, like he, this is the thing with Addison is he's never going to have to be covered by the best corners. Like that, the teams are going to focus so much on Justin Jefferson because they already do. Also, I think this helps Jefferson because at the end of last year, teams didn't have to worry about Adam Thielen. Like Thielen was done. He was shot. He was done. There was, nothing left in him at his old age and teams just narrowed in on stopping Justin Jefferson. I don't think they'll be able to do that to the same extent with Addison there. And then also like Addison's going to have a lot of space to work with teams worrying about Jefferson and there's enough passing volume to go around in this offense. I really like Jordan Addison.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, solid, especially, I mean, who knows what the future of the quarterback is for the Vikings for now? It's
1: and I don't think he's going to. I think her he'll be, I think he'll be a double digit fantasy guy, like double digit round drafted drafted guy next year in fantasy. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to have to, like, take him early or anything like there's not going to be a ton of hype on him because Justin Jefferson is the clear wide receiver one and but I I think he would be a nice pick in that 10th, 11th round of fantasy drafts come the 2023 season. And yeah, we got to talk about rookies aren't always the best for fantasy in year one. But that's kind of changing as of late. Like We've seen a lot of great value with rookie wide receivers in fantasy. Last year, Garrett Wilson finished as the wide receiver 21. Chris Alave finished as the wide receiver 25. Drank London as the wide receiver 31. And then also George Pickens and Christian Watson had really nice stretches as well. And then 2021 class, we just had like the wild finished by Jamar Chase as the wide receiver five, Jalen Waddle as the wide receiver 13, and Amon Ross St. Brown, a fourth rounder rookie, wide receiver 21. So there's like there are wide re- rookie wide receivers that are very valuable to fantasy. And you just got to pick the right ones. That's all. (laughs) No pressure. I I think the big thing you want to do is stay away from draft, having to draft them early. So if, like, there's a lot of hype on a guy you don't want to reach. Like, there was so much hype on um, Romeo Dobbs last year that he just, like, kept moving up and up and up. And, like, that's kind of the point where you don't want to reach for a rookie. But when you can start taking them in the double-digit rounds and it just feels like good value and you're going for the upside, like, that's where they come into play. Now, I just talked about a lot of these first-round wide receivers that went in the first round this year, they didn't land in the most opportune spots for 2023, but there were a few guys that went in the rounds two and three that did land in really nice spots. So what was your favorite landing spot for uh, one of these wide receivers in this draft?
0: I'm going to go with Rashi rice, uh wide receiver to the Kansas city chiefs. Interesting player, right? Like didn't break out until his final season came out of SMU six foot, 200 pounds. So he's like one of the bigger receivers in this class, but ranked fifth in terms of uh, number of receptions, third in receiving yards had 10 touchdowns. Like he was good. He was, he was really good. He put up (laughs)
1: 1,355 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns in 12 games last year. No one else on SMU had over 600 receiving yards. Like he was their entire, uh, he was the offense. Like
0: he was, he was the offense. Um, like, capable after the catch it just he's a deep threat uh had the the eight or sorry the most uh, i th- i believe catches of 20 or more yards ranked fifth in deep yards among wide receivers like this was a productive guy and now he goes to the kansas city chiefs with oh i don't know the best quarterback in the nfl it's casual
1: and juju's gone that's <laughs> juju's gone. targets gone uh, Nicole Hardman gone. Yeah. Gone. He had 34 targets in eight games played. Like or rice is coming into a, a spot where he has the opportunity to fight for that wide receiver one role. Now they did draft sky Moore last year in the second round as well. But like that team didn't, they did not want to use him at all last year. Like they didn't want to use him. And even like, they could have I, used him. They, they could have, they would have been nice to be able to have, Someone they wanted to use, but clearly there was something they did not trust him.
0: They also traded for Kadarius Tony last season, and like the most interesting thing here for me with Kadarius Tony, and I feel like we've heard, you know, some hype from Andy Reid, like, oh, you know, like Kadarius Tony could be the guy, you know, whatever. I'm so sick of projecting Kadarius Tony to be something he's not. He had. 50 total yards. He wasn't completely healthy in the playoffs last year. Three games, 50 yards, a single touchdown. In the Super Bowl, where he was left off the injury report, he played six total offensive snaps. Is that a guy you, you're trying to get involved? He did have one one re- target, one reception for one touchdown, and that is my friend's efficient But that's not like, uh, how am I supposed to believe you want uh, to get this guy involved?
1: I'm not here for the Tony hate. All right. We're going to ignore that. But I do like Rice. He was a target hog last year with SMU. And he does possess that skill set to be a high volume possession receiver. And I think that's exactly what Mahomes needs right now so at the very least if he is able to show up in training camp and win this job i think at the very least he's puts up the production that juju did but probably is more efficient and that's a valuable wide receiver to have and he's going to go maybe the hype starts up this off season, like during training camp with patrick mahomes throwing him the ball and Oh, We're going to get out. like
0: yeah. three. Or we're going to get one clip of Patrick Mahomes throwing him yeah. a ball and it's going to be all over. But, but if like- you're
1: in rookie drafts right now for dynasty, Rasheed Rice is a steal in the second round. He's going like late second, but reach on him if you need to. I really yeah. like him. Another guy we need to bring up. It's your dude, but now it's my dude too. Cause you got me into him tank Dell. He ended up going little the, tank
0: Dell. He Will ended del. up going
1: in the early third round. Uh, CJ Stroud's boy, apparently. So the Texans take CJ Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, and number two overhaul. And then apparently asked the Texans, well, I don't know. The reports are like you demanded, which he did not, because that would be silly. But he said that he would like them to take Tank Dell if they get the opportunity because they really hit it off at the combine. And the Texans ended up taking Tank Dell.
0: Tank Dell, he's small. He's 5'8", 165 pounds. So, like, if he hits for fantasy, again, going to be an outlier. Like, we had this this question about, you know, can Devonta Smith be a good wide receiver at 170 pounds? Like, yeah, Tank Dell has some more questions. But, like, he's the best route runner in this class without question. He's so, like, quick and just in short yard situations I genuinely think he like, despite his very small size could be one of the biggest touchdown threats in his class, just because of the way he's able to create speed and separation in short yardage situations. Like he's going to be wide open for touchdowns as long as CJ Stroud is throwing him.
1: And CJ Stroud is extremely accurate. That's like what he's known for is his accuracy. And the Texans have over 300 vacated targets from 2022. Like this depth chart is wide open for anyone to take and there's really not any competition. So it's pretty much this team is banking on Tank Dell being their wide receiver one because if he's not, then I don't know who else is catching these balls, right? I guess uh Dalton Schultz, their tight end can you know be the the target one or target two, but this is really Tank Dell's job to lose. And this combo I love. So CJ Stroud led the FBS in passing touchdowns over the last two seasons. And he was third in uh, passing yards in the FBS from 2021 to 2022. 85 passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's just, that's just insane over the last two seasons in 25 games. On the other hand, Tank Dell has led the FBS in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns over the last two seasons. You just have two players that were fantastic in college football. It does not mean they're going to be fantastic in the NFL, but it's not a bad thing that they were so productive there. Like You have two guys that knew how to win at college football level. Let's see if they can bring it to the next level and figure it out there. But I I love this combo together. And I think tank Dell is in a situation, uh, very familiar to Amon Ross and Brown, where he was a fourth round wide receiver, but he goes to the lions and he had no competition for targets. And guess what? He got all the targets once like the second half of the season, when they really needed him, he just had an insane amount of targets and he proved his worth. And I think I think Tig Dell could get 125 plus targets in year one. And he's going to be a freaking steal because he plays for the Texans and nobody wants a Texans player.
0: Nobody wants a Texans player. And nobody player. wants a
1: five foot zero. <laughs> <laughs> How tall is he?
0: He's barely taller than you, yeah. Michelle. So yeah, like I, I think that's going to be like a, a concern. He's going to be probably a guy, you know, people aren't looking to reach on, but I mean, I I think the fact that the Texans took him in the early third round, despite his size, like there were, there were talks that, you know, he could certainly fall because of that size, despite the, the collegiate production tank Dell is just like, he is technically proficient and for what he makes or what he lacks in size, he makes up for, and all of the things he does right as a wide receiver. He's so fun to watch. Like, he, cause he, he doesn't, you know, like when you're watching him, you don't think what a small wide receiver you think, wow, this guy is so dominant.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for him. And what I'm excited about is there's really no hype. So definitely if you're in rookie drafts, take him there at the back of the second, early third, he could even fall further than that in your drafts, but just make sure you grab him because I love that pick for Do him. you. Remember,
0: do you remember that? one slot wide receiver that CJ Stroud threw to who was super productive.
1: Jackson Smith. Yep. So yeah, it was pretty good. Now Jackson Smith the jig wasn't five foot six. Shh. <laughs> and then one last guy I wanted to hit on. He landed a really nice spot. Not, not one that we loved as a prospect, but a lot of other people did. So Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss, he goes to Carolina there in the early second round. And, some had him projected to be a first round pick. So a nice little value there for the Panthers. And who knows? He could be fantastic for fantasy because I mean, this Panthers offense, who is the wide receiver one? They traded away DJ Moore to the bears and they signed. Sure. They signed Adam Thielen. They signed DJ chart, but does Adam Thielen have anything left? I, I, we do not know because he did not last year for the Vikings. DJ Chark. I actually really do like him, but he can never stay healthy. And he's really just like a speedster guy. Jonathan Mingo has an opportunity here at six foot two, 220 pounds. He ran a four, four, six and nearly a 40 inch vertical jump. So he's very athletic, a really nice size. He has a huge opportunity here to be the wide receiver one and get a lot of targets, my issue is like he just wasn't that big of a part of the Ole Miss offense. He just disappeared in games. Like you would try to watch the Ole Miss tape to watch Jonathan Mingo, and you almost fall asleep because he's never freaking utilized. So he's utilized as a blocker plenty, and he's not a good blocker at that. It's <laughs> his size. I don't know. Like there, there are a lot of targets, but he could be the wide receiver one, or honestly, the wide receiver four in this offense with Adam Dillon, and D J Chark and even Lavisca Chenault because. What Jonathan Mingo is known for is his versatility. Well, that's what Lavisca Chenault was known for when he came out of the draft too, and he's been pretty pointless. Yeah, I I think that I mean
0: Jonathan Mingo feels like a really big just like question mark. It just you know he's got the size. He's six to two hundred and what twenty pounds. He's got big hands. He ran a four four six at that size, which like seems fantastic for a, a guy of his stature and weight, um, was super, super explosive, had almost a forty yard or forty inch vert, like he tested super well, but like he would just kind of disappear at times. And you know, it's it's not like Ole Miss was pumping out, you know, wide it wasn't wide receiver university like Ohio State was. Like
1: Um, excuse me, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. No, no,
0: no. I'm saying like the, the plethora of wide receivers all, all on the field at the same time. Like, like this was his, his wide receiver one season. And like, you do bring up an interesting point with LaVisca Chenault. Uh, like that, that was his PFF player comp. Hmm. And like this team hasn't been able to get it out of LaVisca. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So this is the thing. I think Jonathan Mingo is going to get a lot of hype throughout the offseason because he landed in the spot where he can get a ton of targets, and then he's with Bryce Young, so the number one overall quarterback and a quarterback that was really great in college. He's going to get a ton of hype throughout the offseason as well. So there's going to be a lot of media around Bryce Young, and I'm sure Jonathan Mingo would get a lot of that hype with it as well. I just, I definitely would not be taking him early in drafts. He would have to be like a last round pick. Maybe things will change. Like we're in May. We're in the beginning of May. Maybe I will read into the hype and I'll get all crazy yeah. about him too. Who knows? But right off the bat here, I'm super excited about Rashie Rice's landing spot in Tank Dell. Um, and then, you know, these first rounders that we talked about before, they landed in good spots for their careers. We'll see what that means for fantasy right off the bat. Because, you know, we're all impatient. We just want them to hit right away. Yeah, I'm antsy. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEM. And And you
0: can find me, Kate, at Kate Bye, Bye, y'all. Bye.